The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for Biden. This is for Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a Second Amendment nature right here. On the Michael Duke Show, thanks for coming in and joining us. It's a beautiful day. It's Friday. Oh, man. It took us a while to get here, but here we are ready to go and jump into this with both feet uh, and uh, and be part of it. I don't know. I had to <clears throat> all kinds of technical stuff this morning. Um, I was actually up almost an hour early today to get everything. I, I, who knows, you know, you, you try it, you try to make it happen. It doesn't happen. That's okay. It is T G I F F. Thank goodness. It's firearms Friday here on the big radio show. And today we've got a, uh, big, uh, we get a, we get a lot. We get, it's good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We're going to start off with guests here this morning uh, in hour one. We're going to cover just a couple of headlines, uh, talk about some of the stuff that's going on. And then we're going to be diving into it with Robbie Sove, who is the uh, who is a senior editor over at Reason Magazine. He and I are going to sit down and chat about some of his uh, most recent articles, including uh, this piece that he wrote uh, just recently uh, about the uh, Uvalde incident and the fact that the police reportedly uh, not only sat outside for over 45 minutes while the shooter was loose in the school against, by the way, all the training, all the everything that we've learned since Columbine, everything else has said that, you know, you go in. You, the, the second you get there, you go in. You don't wait around. You don't kibitz because that's going to be, you know, problem. That's going to give them more time. And instead, they not only did they spend 45 minutes outside before, by the way, the Border Patrol finally threw up their hands and because the incident commander was from Uvalde and he kept holding him back and holding him back. And finally, the Border Patrol TAC team said, uh, no, we're going in. And they did. Uh, but not only did that happen, they were also reportedly trying to stop and silence um, parents, uh, including one woman who went ahead and, and broke the police line and went in and rescued her own kids. And then they tried to silence her because she had a, I don't know, 10 or 12 year old previous conviction or something for some, I don't know what it was, but they threatened her with saying any, I mean, this, this whole thing just, it's a mess. Uh, anyway, Robbie Sove is going to come on board and talk with us about this here in just a uh, few minutes. It is uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion. Uh, we've never talked to Robbie before. We've talked to everybody else, and 
you know, JD and Jacob Sullivan and Eric uh, Eric Bame and and Britschke and I mean, we've talked to a bunch of folks at Reason, but I don't think we've ever had Robbie on the program before. So I'm looking forward to that. He uh, does a lot of good stuff. Uh, then in hour two, we'll do some some chit chat. We'll open up the phone lines maybe for a little Q and A. We'll talk with you, and then. We're going to be joined by Top Shot, Chris Chang, who will be uh, joining us, uh, champion of uh, season four of the show Top Shot, and also, of course, author of the book, uh, Shoot to Win, Tips, Tactics, and Techniques to Help You Shoot Like a Pro. He's going to be uh, joining us as well in hour two. And then we will finally, finally finish off the show with um, Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com, because we need a little bit of that. We need a little bit of that love in our life. It's going to be fun. Um, so, anyway, good stuff, and we appreciate uh, we appreciate everybody coming on board and joining us this morning. Um, all right, so I guess what did I say? We'll start with the we'll, we'll start with the headlines. We will start with the headlines and see what he has to see. Uh, we'll see what they have to say about uh, everything and 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 anything. So I guess the first thing that I have to, to talk about, well, probably the first and the last thing, uh, is the deal that's now going on um, that's going on uh, at the Senate uh, right now. The Senate is working on what they call a bipartisan deal um, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, going to save us from ourselves, I guess. Um, the, uh, the And this Senate deal has got all kinds of bells and whistles in it. The biggest part that I find most offensive about it is that it is attempting to strong-arm states. Well, it uses the carrot and the stick, right? Um, but really, the big thing is the carrot. The the big push is that we they want us to have red flag laws in every state in the nation, um, and uh, they'll even give you a framework for it. Uh, they've talked about they can't do a they don't want it. They're not going to do a national red flag law, but they're going to do uh, you know these state to state red flag laws, and the way that they're going to. Promoted, of course, is by giving you money. Get they, they're gonna they're gonna make funding for certain things contingent on the fact of whether or not you have red flag laws um, and everything else. They're also, of course, talking about bumping the uh, the minimum purchase age for long guns from eighteen to twenty one, um, and you know whatever else they can get in there. Just whatever else that they think that they can get in there right now, um, but 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 again, the the deal still has so ten uh, ten senators are part of this deal. Ten Republican senators are part of this deal. They're working with the Democrats now. One of the headlines I had to laugh at because one of the headlines says uh, Mitch McConnell says he's comfortable with the framework of the Senate gun deal. Of course he is. Mitch McConnell is not a he's not a defender or supporter of freedom. There's just no two ways about it. He is an autocrat. He is uh, he is part of the problem. He is uh, you know he is 
almost the very definition of Republican in name only. He does not believe in the core conservative principles of smaller, more limited government. He has been one of the key architects of the expansion of government uh, over the last 25 years uh, down there in Washington, D.C. I know he's got an elephant on his lapel, but that just don't mean jack, okay? This guy is part of the problem. So when I say that he's comfortable, he's comfortable with the framework of the Senate gun deal. Well, great. Great. That is a ringing non-endorsement if I've ever heard. That is a reason not to vote for it at this point. I mean, like, what? (laughs) Now, the other interesting thing about this whole thing is that the 10 Republicans who are in the Senate who are supporting this deal right now is they is they uh they is they they're all the ones that aren't up for re-election. That's very weird, isn't it? I mean, the 10 Republicans who are going to get they just don't they just happen to not be up for re-election right now because well, because, um, you know, the people have got a short memory and it'll be fine. And uh, they'll, they'll have forgotten. And by the time this comes around for our elections, they'll have forgotten that we voted for gun control. Whoa, not if I have anything to say about it. Not if, not if Americans remember what's going on. I mean, wh- there's a whole... Th- Look, we have to do something. That's the refrain. You hear it again and again and again from politicians of all stripes. We've got to do something. We can't just sit here because of the... the, the. Yes, yes, you can. Because making a major policy decision from an from a, from a, uh, emotional standpoint is not good policymaking. You look at all, you know, look at all these shootings that have happened in the last five years. You know, how, what, what would any of these things have changed? Well, if we'd had universal background checks, then there would have. Well, first of all, something like 92% of all the shooters got their gun through legal channels, meaning they went to a gun dealer. Or and even the ones that didn't, are you saying, you know, and the other ones, they stole them from legal gun owners. Well, then what we really need is what's in this Senate bill, which, of course, is safe storage laws, where, you know, you could go to jail and have a $5,000 fine for not, you know, putting your gun in the right spot in case somebody... Well, (laughs) you guys keep missing the point here. You keep missing the point. Criminals, by their very definition, don't obey the law. Well, what you're saying is that we just shouldn't have laws then. That's not what I'm saying at all. If you are attempting to fix this problem, just acknowledge the fact that while we have rules and mores and laws in civil society, you, you you can't legislate insanity or evil. I mean, you know how you fix that? You, you just you bring on the death penalty, right? Bring on public hangings and executions. You know, put these offenders away and stop with the revolving door. What was the headline that I saw earlier? The headline that I saw earlier was um, California cop killer got probation instead of prison after being caught with guns and drugs. What? I mean, 
What, what? I mean, you, you, the, <laughs> Justin Flores, who shot and killed a police, uh, a police captain, um, uh, excuse me, who shot and c- killed a police corporal, Michael Paredes, and Officer Joseph Santana, as they responded to reports of a stabbing in a local motel, was charged with being a convict felon in possession of a firearms, ammunition, and methamphetamine in 2020. But instead of taking the case to trial, the prosecutors offered him a plea deal, and he got probation instead. Two years' worth in probation. And then, again, he gets the... But what we really need to do is punish gun owners, legal, law-abiding, the 99.9-something percent gun owners who do nothing wrong, who are legal and law-abiding and just want to be left alone. We'll punish them. And and we'll take these offenders and we'll just smack them on the wrist and say, you poor, poor boy, it's not your fault. You're a victim of society. And uh, you just, just don't do it again, okay? Oh, God. Um, All right. Well, hey, look at that. Good timing. I'm up against the break. We're going to we're going to talk to Robbie Sove. And then when we come back, we'll continue this. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio firearms Friday today. All two-way stuff all the time. Robbie Sobe is going to be our guest up next right here. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh... <laughs> All right, my pretties. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know what happened. I had to restart the stream this morning. It it said it was up and running, but then when I tried to log in and view it, and none of it was working. I don't know what was going on. I I don't. I really don't know. But here we are. Here we are. We made it. Here it are. Here we are. Uh, I want to say a special thank you this morning to uh, to Tawny. I saw Tawny in the chat room. To Russell. To Herder and to Paul, all brand new members of the Common Sense Corps. Thank you, my friends. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, thank you for for being part of that and uh, and helping out and doing all that kind of stuff. I really really appreciate that. Um, let me get Robbie Sove's let me get Robbie Sove's number locked in here. Okay, I got it. Uh, I got it all scored. We we're going to call him here in just a. In just a hot second, we're going to get him on the line. Uh, meanwhile, thank you all for coming in and being part of the show today. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you would do me the ultimate uh, flavor, uh, 
And uh, if you would uh, please uh, like and share this video. Like and share it to your friends, to your relatives, to your neighbors. Um, and uh, also, uh, you know, follow the show page if you haven't followed the show page. And like and follow us on YouTube as well. Just go to youtube.com slash user slash Mike. Just go to the link that I just dropped in the chat room. That makes it even easier. Just go to the link that we dropped in the chat room right there and make sure you subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. And that would be fantastic. Uh, Tawny says she's looking forward to trying some beard curler. Yes, yes, you are. Uh, We're going to get some beard curler coffee out to who I actually still have some from my last batch. Uh, only took five months to get that. <laughs> the supply chain issues are killing me. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for being part of it uh, as well. Uh, you too could be a member of the Common Sense Corps. All you got to do is go to uh, up right here. Go right over. It's, I'm doing it all in reverse right here. Patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. Patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. And you could be a member of the Common Sense Corps as well. All right. So there you go. Uh, Again, also, don't forget to go out and subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Oh, it's been a minute, says Bill, but I remember it was really good. It is really good. It is really, really good. All right. Um, I suppose we're close enough to time here. We're, what, we're a couple minutes out here. Let me get Robbie Sove on the line, and we'll see what we can do. How about that? Go over here. Get things ready to roll. This is Robbie. Good morning, Robbie. It's Michael Luke's calling from Alaska. Hi, how are you? Good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good, good. Well, thank you for coming on the program and taking the time. I really appreciate it. We're uh, in the commercial break right now, so it's just you and me and 50 of our closest friends on Facebook Live as we simulcast the show. So um, uh, looking forward to uh, breaking this down with you. This is the first time you've been on my show, right? No, I have no idea. <laughs> Just so many of these, probably. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on, and I and I appreciate the work that you do out there at Reason. I love to uh, I love to read what you guys have been writing about. Uh, over there. So we'll be right back to you here in just a hot second. We're about 45 seconds out from returning to the air. So hold the line. Robbie Sov is our guest, senior editor, Reason Magazine. You can also catch him uh, over uh, on the uh, daily uh uh, the daily feature over at the Hill, which is called Rising, which is where I, I tune into that uh, almost uh, almost every day. Always doing some good work out there, and uh, we'll be with him here in just a second to talk about this Uvalde thing, uh, and the uh, response from the police and the response from the government after it was all said and done. And that means it's time to jump back into it. Let's uh, get things rolling. Don't forget to like and share and follow and subscribe and do all the YouTube-y things and the Facebook-y things and everything else. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's, uh, Let's jump in and get back to it. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in. It is Friday, which means it's Firearms Friday. We're talking about issues related to the Second Amendment. 
gun rights, uh, news, everything else. Uh, our guest this morning is Robbie Sove, senior editor over at Reason Magazine. He also is the co-host of a, uh, a feature over there at The Hill uh, on YouTube. It's called Rising, which is kind of a, a roundup of uh, you know, daily issues and things that are going on around the country. And we appreciate him coming on board this morning. He wrote an article recently talking about Uvalde and the police response to Uvalde. Not only the fact that it took... 45 minutes while children were calling 911 you know, and, and, you know, dying, waiting for them to come in. But also the fact that they were even challenging, arresting and threatening parents who decided to brave it all and do it on their own. Robbie Sove, our guest here from Reason. Good morning, sir. Up, oh, we got, it uh, looks like we got, uh, looks like we got a little accidental disconnect there. Robbie Sove, our guest. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, uh, so we were just talking about, uh, of course, you've always been in the news and all the, the various shootings and stuff. But with all the actions that are going on across the country and and the, the impetus from elected officials to do something, the one thing that they don't seem to be doing is actually, you know, enforcing laws and policies that have shown to save lives and do actual things. In, instead, they stand around outside and wait for 45 minutes to twiddle their thumbs instead until uh, Border Patrol says, hey, you know what, guys, we're going in. Whatever you say, we're going in. Let's talk a little bit about that. This is some crazy stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a wild story, a story of really horrible police incompetence that, uh, that I, I mean, just kind of shocks, I think, has shocked the nation. Um, you know, to have people waiting around for so long um, as, 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 the, you know, kids in that room are are dying, still alive. Some of them calling for help, and uh, and you know, violating every procedure that we know from school shooting scenarios that the cops should go in immediately. Uh, that is the training they receive. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what these police officers were trained to do. It's in the training materials. They rehearsed this, right? And still, they waited instead. Right. Well, they rehearsed this. This wasn't like they rehearsed this years ago. They rehearsed this in March, right? I mean, this is just a couple of months ago. They just went through a big training scenario with their whole with all their their officers down there. Right. 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 They, they, so what is that even for? If you're not gonna if you're not gonna follow through and look, the on site commander. I mean, he didn't have his radio with him, which was a, a, a he left that behind, which is a very unusual thing to do, from what I understand. Um, but it it was this was over an hour of of not doing anything. Look, and I, I get that it would it would have been dangerous to go in and confront uh, the shooter. He had grazed uh, two of the the police officers who'd approached earlier. But that is like that is their job. That is right. the job. That's what they're instructed to do. Because you don't wait because it's not a hostage situation. These kinds of things never it never are. We understand the psychology of this kind of person uh, better than we did before and they're just they're going to kill as many people and get killed and you have to you know you every second counts the, the this is what what law enforcement is supposed to do is you know whatever they can they have to put they're supposed to put themselves between the bullets and the and the victims 
And that they waited and waited and waited as the as the kids were calling 911, pretending to be dead, saying, we need help. Please come in. Right. Still, they waited. Yeah. Whispering into the phone because they're playing dead and just hoping that somebody's going to come save them. And again, this is nothing new, Robbie. I mean, these are lessons that we learned starting back in the 90s with Columbine, because that's what they did in Columbine. They parked outside and they waited and it, it allowed the gunmen to basically run rampant out the schools. And all you know, it seemed like policies, there was this sweeping change across the country that is if, if there's a gunman in a school, like you said, it's not a hostage situation anymore. It is literally an execution that they're going from room to room doing that. You go in now. You don't wait. You don't wait for the Bearcat, the tank, the SWAT team, whatever. You get two or more officers, you go, you do it. You do what you need to do. And that policy seemed to have been just thrown out the window at this point. Yeah, yeah. They, they. What else is there to say? They did absolutely the wrong thing. Um, not what they're trained to do. And you know, we don't, we don't know exactly. But people, you know, some of those victims died on their way to the hospital when they got to the hospital. It's hard to say that we don't know that more lives could have been saved if they did what they were supposed to do. Right. And there's a kind of a long history of this thing now in, in mass shoot, you know, the, uh, the Parkland shooting, the school resource officer uh, famously did not in, infamously, infamously did not confront the shooter. He, he went to hide instead. Um, the school resource officer in this scenario was, was not on the premises. And then when he got to the school, he, he apparently drove past the shooter on the shooter's way to the school. And then he confronted a random teacher instead. Um, th- there's just a lot of incompetence here. And right. look, it's a, you know, it's a situation no one ever wants to find themselves in. It is not a common situation, despite, you know, what we hear. I'm sure you hear a lot about how oh, school shootings are so common. You know, uh, what's common is kids getting into a fight after a sports game in the parking lot, a gun goes off, maybe one person is injured. That happens a lot. This kind of shooting where, you know, a, a lunatic enters enters the school with the with the intention of inflicting mass casualties, that is not something that happens a lot. Right. Uh, I mean, it's happened like, you know, 15 times, right, in the last 30 years. Right. Um, which we, we want it to happen zero times, but it's not it's not as frequent as it seems. It, it's so shocking to the conscience, to the to the psych, you know, psychology of the nation that it sticks. It, it's burned in your brain. But it's not. So I get that this is not this is not a usual thing. But we've, we're just, we've developed protocols for this, and they were not followed. Right. And I want to get into the numbers here in just a bit because you've written about that as well. But to add insult to injury to this huge delay and this inaction, which I mentioned before, the Border Patrol TAC team had showed up, and they were being held back by the incident commander. And eventually, at like 51 minutes, they basically said, look, we're going in. Whether you want us to or not, we're going in. We're not waiting around. So I guess thank goodness for them. But one of the worst things was, and you covered this pretty well on the Hill, you had the interviews with the uh, with the woman and everything, but they were reportedly, and there's video of them, you know, tackling, restraining, threatening to arrest parents who were like, I'm going in. I don't care if I get shot. I'm going in. Uh, and there was one woman who uh, who actually was able to break out from the police, uh, Angeli Gomez, and she ran into the school, got her kids, and brought them back out. And then they threatened her because uh, she was talking about it. And they're, they th- Give us the backstory on this. This is an incredible story. This, this woman, she, you know, she dropped her kids off at the school. 
she I think she attended like a little mini graduation they had. And then she went to work. She's a she's a farm worker. Uh, and she finds out that what's happening at the school. She drives back to the school, you know, going like 100 miles per hour on the highway. She gets to the school. This is how long this went on. She had time to get back to the school. You know, she's telling the, the police who are who are establishing a perimeter to keep parents back. And look, I get that. Fine. If you don't want parents going in, that's going to cause more chaos and confusion. That that's fine. But you should go in. Then you have to do something. They were just going to stand around. Then yeah, let the let the parents rush the buildings. And they were begging. The other parents were begging the police to go in, or if not go in, let them go in. So they're restraining police officers. They're handcuffing people. Uh, they restrained this woman. They threatened to arrest her. And then she she gets away from them. <laughs> And she enters the building. She gets her kids out. Uh, she gets both her kids out. And uh, and that is that is, uh, others were handcuffed. And then and then she says she, she's been criticizing the police response because it's it's embarrassing. It right. should be criticized. <laughs> exactly. And she was threatened. She was threatened. Uh, she says she's on probation for, a, you know, long ago. I don't know what it was long ago uh, uh, issue. And uh, they said uh, she got a call that, well, you you know, you could face you could be in trouble if you keep speaking out about this. And then, and you know, finally, of course, a judge said, no, you're not in trouble for speaking out about this. This should be should be denounced. But still, it just shows you they so they they tried to stop parents and then they tried to silence critics. Yeah, no, it's insane. I, I've watched a few of the videos of the of the of the uh, incidents with parents, and and I was just aghast that these the, of the way not only were they treating people, but they were just basically again courting them off, and 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 it's insane. Now, of course, this is horrific. Like I said, Robbie, I couldn't tar- I couldn't even talk about this uh, for a couple days on the show. I was so uptight about this whole thing, and. Then and more and more details came out, but of course, the president, the commander in chief, jumped right in on this with his, with his, you know, with his speech that night, which you at first thought was going to be, you know, he was talking about the heartache and what it feels like to lose a child, and it sounded like he was going to like everything was going to come together, and then two minutes in, he immediately spins off and says, "Enough is enough. We need to do all these things to stop gun control," and then he goes on to say, "You shouldn't have a cannon," and it just lays all these things out there, and then. And lays out these ideas to change gun laws that really none of them would have had an effect on this shooting or probably 90% of the shootings that we've seen. But this is the rhetoric we keep seeing. And and a lot of the things that they talk about have been, I know, debunked by you and others at Reason and many other outlets that, no, they're, they're ha- the assault weapons ban didn't fix anything. There's no evidence of that. There, you know, you could own a cannon, for example, and many other things. Just it seems like they immediately pivoted to take advantage of the crisis. Yeah, I, I mean, look, there's a lot of uh, just really sloppy rhetoric about what the reality of, of gun violence actually is in the country. And it's just not, you know, you get this idea from, from listening that we have all these mass school shootings and it's just not true. I looked at the data. There's, there's, there's not a lot of them. This is, this has happened. And again, we want the number to be zero, but we're, you know, we're talking about you, depending exactly how you count it, we're talking about like 15 incidents. Um, we, we killed a hundred something people. Uh, again, very, very bad, but mo- 99.9% of gun crime, 0.999% of gun crime is one off, uh, hand- it's with handguns, uh, that are out there. There's a lot of guns and off and it's, you know, it's not usually some psychopath or with a, with a political or, you know, misogynist or racist or ideology, there's some kind of 
something like that, like what we saw uh, with uh, with Buffalo and that kind of thing. Usually it's, you know, it, there's domestic violence, there's workplace violence, there's there's neighbors dispute and there's just there's just crime. There's just massive amounts of of crime. And then there's suicides. Actually, most of the gun violence is suicides. Right. Uh, so that's a, just a very different problem. So when you're talking about criminalizing AR-15s or, or, or whatever else it is, you're actually targeting like the mo- like a such a narrow sliver of violence. We're talking about something that is incredibly rare. And my 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 bottom line is, look, it is difficult with government policy to further reduce something that is already really, really, really rare. Right. And I don't know what in this case. I mean, they, they left him alone in the room with the kids for an hour. I mean, what I understand that it's a very powerful and very destructive weapon, uh, one that you know, ninety-nine uh, percent of the people who own one use responsibly, if at all. And in this case, it was obviously it was not used responsibly, and we want to stop someone like this from having access to a gun. But when you if he le- he was left alone with his victims for an hour, it, it, w- it would have been incredible catastrophic damage, regardless. And and you know why why when pe- and people like this are often put on law enforcement's radar, right. like in the Parkland case. The FBI knew about him. Right. Everybody said, hey, this kid is dangerous. Do something. Right. We, we're warning you. Police came to uh, Salvador Ramos, the uh, the, the shooter in, in Uvalde. Police came to his house. So so I'm you know, I I don't know. Ex- I, we don't know enough exactly what failings were present. But my bottom line is it is not it is law enforcement's job to stop things like this to prevent them from happening and then address them when they do occur. Is that, is this being handled correctly? I don't know if it is. Right. Well, we've seen, as you mentioned, a failure of law and law enforcement. I mean, you mentioned the Parkland shooter. He had uh, over 20 interactions with local law enforcement and I think almost a dozen with federal law enforcement back and forth over the course of a couple of years. So they knew he was bad. the Sutherland Springs shooter. He had a dishonorable discharge. The Air Force failed to enter that into something. So he got to be, he passed a Nix check. I mean, there was all these, you know, you can go after case after case, the Parkland police officer, the Uvalde police, uh, you know, police hanging back, all these things. And instead of addressing those problems, they look at legal law-abiding gun owners who, again, 99.9% of them are legal law-abiding. And they look at it and say, well, you guys got to pay now. You guys got to pay the penalty. We're going to restrict you because of the actions of 0.1% of everybody out there. And it's it's insane. I want to get into the numbers a little bit more, Robbie, and I want to get into the solutions because you've written about both of those. But we're going to take a quick break. Robbie Sove is our guest. Uh, again, senior editor at Reason Magazine, also co-host over at the Hills Rising program, which you can find over there on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back with more and Robbie Sove here in just a moment. Don't forget to join us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you'd like to uh, join the live chat and talk with us out there, or on YouTube or on Twitch or pretty much everywhere. We're going to be back with more and Robbie Soule from Reason Magazine right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend.
Uh, we are in the break right now. Robbie Sove is our guest from Reason Magazine uh, following this. Um, you know, Robbie, I want to get into your the numbers that you've uh, written about because you were just talking about it. There, you know, you heard the president say something, you know, hundreds and hundreds of mass shootings. And then NPR had their whole piece about 27 mass shootings at school or 27 school shootings this year. And, of course, it's interesting the use of the language because they conflate mass shootings with shootings, uh, just like they conflate semi-automatic with automatic weapons and all these different, I mean, it's a language, it's a nuanced thing, but it's like they know how the narrative is going to be read by people. Right, absolutely. So so there's there's school shootings, which is, you know, any shooting that happens on school property. And and yes, they, they, are, they are quite frequent. There's been over, I think, think over 200 of them already this year. But look, that includes incidents where no one was killed where we're just you know maybe and I'm, I'm not saying this is this isn't a policy failure but people you know teen, teenagers are fighting or you know, gang stuff or, or or crime or what you know a gun goes off uh it's a fight between kids maybe it's in the parking lot instead of in the physical school that counts as a school shooting you know i've looked at those incidents it's it's that's very different than what happened in Uvalde. Right. The if so for say now mass shooting is defined in different databases is so four people have to be shot or in some cases four people have to be shot and killed. Uh, you know, the, it's different definitions depending on whose database you're going. And that that also happens um, a lot. But again, that's not some that can be that can be gang crime. That can be inner city crime. Now, if we're talking about mass school shooting incident where you have four people shot or killed in a school. Now we're actually talking about something that is thankfully comparatively rare. Again, it could always be rare. Ideally, it would be zero. But right. that's the kind of thing. Columbine. Uh, Parkland, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, that sort of thing, not actually very common at all, thank God. Well, and it, that's that's very different. Yeah, and when we think about it numerically, and, and this is where you get criticized for, oh, you just don't care about the children. You don't care about uh, – every death is a tragedy. Every single gun death, knife death, every homicide in America is a tragedy. But we have to look at it from that macro 10,000-foot view. When you've got 330 million people living in a country with well over 100 million gun owners and something like 400 million guns in circulation, and you look at these instances and you realize that they are a fraction of of a fraction of a percentile of it, well, especially like long guns. I mean, that is a that is a minuscule number of homicides are committed with long guns compared to, as you said, handguns or kicked to death, hands, fists, and feet, knives, any other kind of violence. You realize that it is this just this micro. It's just this microbial sized slice of the whole pie, and yet they act like, and the news media continues to push that narrative that um, it's happening on every corner. You should be afraid to step out of the house. You should worry about your kids. You should, and it pushes that fear, and it it seems to always be about the fear factor. Then using that to push a policy that they seem to have an agenda for. Oh, we lost Robbie again. We'll try that. There we go. Sorry about that, Robbie. Did we lose you again? Yeah, I lost you briefly, but I'm back. Okay. So, but it just seems like, you know, they missed the fact that, again, as I was saying, it's a minute slice, fractional slice of this whole pie, and it is so small, but they they, they gen the fear up to where they then they want to use the fear to pass the policies that they seem to have an agenda for. 
Right. And, and we're talking in cases, in, in a lot of these cases, again, a lot, a lot of gun deaths, a lot of, a lot of homicides in, in our cities in places like Chicago and Baltimore and et cetera. You know, we're often talking about people who already are not allow, legally allowed to carry guns. They have a prior conviction. They have, they have something like that. They are not supposed to have the guns that they have. The guns themselves are, are, are legal for them because of, of some prior issue. So are we going to are we going to enforce those laws more? Uh, you know, I, again, to get a little political about this, the, the Democrats and progressives are saying, right, they want more uh, more criminalization of guns, uh, fewer people to have guns. Well, we already OK, we could we could just enforce a little more vigorously. We could you know, stop releasing people. So so quickly, I'm not saying I necessarily support these policies, but if you're saying you want to do something, you're going to do that. But of course, what's going to happen if you do that is you're going to increase the number of encounters between the police and uh, and, and people on the margins of society. And that is something that uh, the Democrats do not have a lot of appetite for it because it is there will be more cases of police wrongdoing, police violence or encounters that go bad of, of genuine uh, bad behavior on the part of police or and also things that are, I, I think, defensible sometimes. Uh, but it's that kind of thing you'll have more of because, look, you, you can't just wave a magic wand and make the guns disappear. You, that, 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 maybe right. that policy would work. I don't right. know. Right. But that's not an option we have. You yep. have to actually enforce the laws. And that in enforcement of laws is done by people with guns. It's done by the state. Yeah. So you're going to have some things happen that you're not that they're, they, that this tribe has said they're not. They're not down with. Right. All right. Well, hold the line, Robbie. We're about to jump back on the radio. Robbie Sove is our guest. We're going to continue with him. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Share the show. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. Robbie Sove, senior editor from Reason Magazine, also co-host on The Hill's uh, show called Rising. You can find it on YouTube or at thehill.com. Um, Robbie, we were just talking about the break, uh, not only about the actual numbers and everything else, but we were just talking uh, about enforcing the laws uh, and how do you do that. And we've talked about, again, they keep wanting to add more laws, even though there's plenty of laws in the books. They just seems to be a failure on the part of law enforcement to to do those things. And we talked again about, you know, Parkland interactions that he was known to the police. You know, we talked about police standing out around outside with their fingers in their, you know, whatever and everything else. But they continue to want to push these narratives. But we've got laws on the books. We we saw a number that came out, I guess, just this last week. They were talking about enforcements of, uh, you know, like straw purchasers and, and felons and people who had filled out a 4473 form to try and get a gun. But they were prohibited people and they'd signed under affidavit. David that they weren't and they said well are you prosecuting those well maybe a few a handful I mean it's the Hunter Biden thing all over again right I mean what's it going to take to get them to actually enforce if they're not going to enforce the ones on the books then what does it matter how many you put on there right exactly and and look I, I you know I would t I would take issues with some of these policies some people who are are felons because they have some kind of a nonviolent uh, felony related to, you know, just possession or, or, or selling drugs. I'm, I'm look, I'm a libertarian. I, I want some of these things to not be criminalized. But 
if you're, but if you do want broad criminalization, if you want to take guns away from people, if you want to gun, guns in fewer hands, well, then you're going to have to start with actually enforcing our existing gun laws, which do in, in many uh, in many places, if not all places, uh, restrict how that that felons that you know people who've been in prison or been released or whatever they're going through are, are not supposed to have access to these weapons. We have to actually enforce it, and enforcing it means the, the police, other people with guns, have to uh, have to arrest these people and. And then they have to be prosecuted for having them. And then they have to actually be kept in prison if they repeatedly violate that. Right. Is there any appetite to do that? And if there's no appetite to do that among among the among the blue team, among the Democrats, well, then I'm sorry, this is on you. If you don't want to do that, then you're going to have to contend with with the level of, of violence we're seeing. And, you know, maybe that's that's the trade off we make to live in a free society. Maybe we say, look, we, we just really don't trust law enforcement. We we don't want them going into these uh, situations and it's it's doing more harm than good. I think that's a perfectly valid uh, I, viewpoint. But don't turn around then and say, "Oh, it's all on Republicans. They're not going to do anything about guns." <laughs> You're not. You can't. The the magic wand solution isn't available to you. You can't just make all the guns disappear by wishing it so or by just passing a law. If you're not going to enforce the law, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. Not with over a half a billion guns floating around in America. You're not just going to, you know, uh, wa- you know, webby woo, and away they go. It's not going to happen. Um, but you actually bring me to another point, which is which is this. Because I'm with you, I think there are so many gun laws right now that are infringements, um, you know, and and the felon thing bothers me as well, especially for nonviolent felons. Those things, you know, you, you paid your debt to society, you you may now reintegrate. Go ahead and do it. I I just find it frustrating. But here's my question: We keep adding laws on the books and more laws, but they're not enforcing them. So the answer is more laws. And pretty soon, what you're doing is you're literally not just infringing on the rights, but you're impeding the right of average everyday law-abiding citizens to exercise those rights to the point to where people could break the law willy-nilly and not even know about it. You put in so many laws on the books that people could inadvertently break the law, and uh, and and it, it just opens up a whole can of worms. And you threaten, you get to the point to where, where we're seeing in states like Washington with the uh, universal background checks, in places like New York and Connecticut with their assault weapons bans, where people, law-abiding people, just finally decide, this is ridiculous. We're not going to follow this law. And you you raise that threat of an Irish democracy where they just ignore laws. And that really threatens kind of the whole foundation of everything. No, without question. And, and look, people have the right to people should have the right to feel safe and to defend themselves. And look, there are some of our some of our cities are are seeing increases in crime. Uh, you know, there was for a long time the perception uh, that crime was high w- did not match reality because there was a lot of irresponsible local journalism about crime. I mean, if it leads, it leads kind of stuff, always scaring people into thinking there was more crime than it than it was. Which, a- as you probably know, you know, crime pe- rate you know went up in the seventies, eighties, early nineties, and then dramatically dropped off. After like 1994, right. and and from the from the mid 90s through the aughts, uh, you had you had really you had plummeting crime, plummeting gun crime. And it was great, uh, and and that was fantastic. But look, that that decline has reversed itself to some degree. It's not true everywhere. It's some places still getting better. But but Philadelphia, I was looking at their numbers. Oh my God, they're they're back up to basically where they were in 1992. So it's it's and and it's, yeah, I think it's hard to understand exactly what's going on. I think a lot of it is antisocial behavior borne by the pandemic. I think we have bad housing policies. 
and, you know, and so on and so forth. You can go down the line. But the point is, uh, you know, there are <laughs> Americans have a Second Amendment right. And it's a it's a practical right because we're seeing we're seeing increased carjackings. We're, we're seeing knifings. We're seeing we're seeing our our, our public uh, spaces. And some I live in Washington, D.C., where the where the green spaces in the city are being overtaken by uh, by mentally ill uh, drug addicts who are, you know, thrashing and, and danger to themselves, if, if not others. So, look, there there are there are reasons to want to own a gun that are and, and, and most people who do that will use that gun appropriately. They, they right. will follow they will follow the laws to the extent they even understand them, as you're saying, and they will they will use that gun correctly. We're talking about we're talking about crime. We're talking about suicides and we're talking about very, 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 very rare cases of almost incomprehensible psycho behavior like we saw in Uvalde, which I, I honestly, I do, it's hard, a hard thing to fix. Right, exactly, because you can't legislate insanity or evil. That's just that's just two things you can't right. legislate against. Um, we're coming down to the end here, but I wanted to talk for just a second about potential solutions, because anytime something tragic like this happens, like Uvalde, the immediate question is, okay, so what do we do? Do we, you know, put locking doors, metal detectors, cameras? Do we create a TSA-style checkpoint? Do we uh, do we give teachers who want to be armed the ability to be armed and trained? Do we, you know, what is the solution to this? You've written about this and said, uh, you know, that more cops in schools, more school resource officers and TSA style stuff won't fix it. Uh, give us your thoughts on that and the idea of maybe giving teachers who want to be able to defend themselves that ability. Let's finish up with that. Sure. So I'm, I'm not impressed by the idea of putting more cops in schools because, frankly, the performance has not been very good so far. And, you know, most schools will think, thankfully, not have a mass shooting. What they will have is small disciplinary matters between students, you know, fighting each other, the kind of the kind of behavior that's gone on forever. That stuff, which I think should be handled by principals, by by. Uh, school staff by counselors ends up getting handled by the police when there are police in the school. And then you end up teenagers end up with records like when they should not be exposed to the criminal justice system. That happens pretty commonly. And, and I, so I think that is a worse harm than the you know one in a million chance that there's going to be a mass shooting and then one in a zillion chance that the school resource officer does anything useful. Right. Um, and also I don't want, you know, TSA style security is, is such a farce, even with TSA. Now, should, should the doors lock? Yes. Should there be a single access point and then, and then other, you know, other doors you can only go out of, not in. Sure. There's, I think there's some common sense stuff that has actually been implemented at most schools. It's not perfect at all schools. That's fine. But, you know, the locked door in the classroom, it was in this case a negative because the shooter got into the classroom and locked it from the inside. Um, I, I do absolutely think that if teachers want to have guns, just like any other law abiding citizen should be able to have them. You get some training. Sure. And most people who own firearms know how to use them and use them responsibly. So I don't, I, now, is that a solution? Again, I don't know. It's a, it's a one in a zillion chance this even happens and, and, and who knows, but I, I don't, I don't think it would do, I don't think it would do harm. The kind of horror stories you hear from liberals like, Oh, they're going to end up shooting everybody. Well, no, no, that's not what happens usually <laughs> with, right. uh, with people right. who own, own guns, do it responsibly. So I, I think that is a 
perfectly uh, fine thing that if I don't think it should be forced on teachers, but if they want to do it, I, I I think that's perfectly safe and is is not something to you know be be fear mongered about or make fun of. No, absolutely. I mean, you you watch this, and I remember the Florida when Florida was the first state to go for concealed carry, and the cry was "There'll be blood in the streets." Shoot out of the OK Corral, and instead right. crime dropped precipitously in Florida, and there wasn't a, a spate of killings or anything else. Uh, Robbie Sove, what are you working on here at Reason that we need to be looking out for here in the next couple days? Sure. Uh, I'll have an article up uh, shortly about the White House's latest, uh, if you remember the misinformation uh, uh, czar uh, situation, there's a new task force that Kamala Harris introduced yesterday uh, to to combat online harassment, which will be broadly defined to mean anything, of course, the government doesn't like. Exactly, whatever it is. I mean, we just saw that in Uvalde. We don't like that criticism. We're going to put you in jail. Okay, good, great, fantastic. Robbie Sove, Reason Magazine, senior editor over there. You could find him at Reason.com. You can also catch him on The Hill, which broadcasts on YouTube and, of course, from TheHill.com. Robbie Sove, I really appreciate you coming on, taking some time this Friday morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great talking to you. Appreciate you coming on. All right, folks, we're out of time. We got more coming up. Uh, Hour two, Chris Chang, Top Shot champion. Chris Chang will be joining us. And uh, we'll continue with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Again, don't forget to come out and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. And don't forget you can support the show. Become a member of the Common Sense Corps like Tawny, the brand new one. Man, it's a rapid-fire interview. I love that. Love it. Uh, Yeah, Kamala in charge of cyberbullying. There's some... (laughs) Oh, man. They never saw anything in your life that they didn't want to control, my friends. Never, ever, never, never. Never, ever, never. Never saw something in your life that they did not want to control. That's what it's all about. All right. Um, Three felonies a day. Have you done yours today? That's what Brian's talking about. Uh, There was a book by, I think it was John, was it John Fund? I think it was John Fund who wrote the book, Three Felonies a Day. Uh, And uh, no, Harvey Silvergate. Sorry, it wasn't John Fund. Harvey Silvergate, uh, Silvergate. That book is amazing. I've got a copy of it somewhere. I should go. I got it boxes and boxes of books. I should go dig it out. I haven't read it in years. Uh, he wrote it back in, uh, he wrote it like 10, 12 years ago. Anyway, I had him on the program talking about it. Um, the average person in America today commits three felonies a day. That that The average professional in this country wakes up in the morning, goes to work, comes home, eats dinner, then goes to sleep unaware that he or she has likely committed several federal crimes that day. Oof. I mean, <laughs> wow. Just think about that for a minute. Just think about that for just a minute. And you wonder why. You wonder why they... Uh, they want to have a little bit of control over everything. It's, it's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, 
when off-duty Border Patrol had enough and went, no, it wasn't just the off-duty Border Patrol. The, the Border Patrol tack team, tactical team, the, the basically a SWAT team for Border Control, was there and had been there on the ground, on the scene for like 30 minutes. Uh, and after, and this is 30 minutes they were there, uh, it was like the 51-minute mark since the police had arrived because it took the tack team about 20 minutes to get there. After 51 minutes, they said they ignored the incident commander and they went in. So good for them. Um, let's see what else we got here. Should the police be prosecuted for letting those kids be killed accessories to crime? Well, that would be great, except in the Parkland incident that he talked about. That that was actually there was actually a case filed against the officer for failing to protect the children. And the courts ruled, as they have in other cases, that police, it may say to protect and serve on the side of their cars, but they do not have a duty to protect you. That's the Parkland police officer, the school resource officer, who basically went outside the edge of the building, took his gun out and hid and waited for everything to be over. He was charged with that. And he got off. The court said he did not have a duty to protect themselves. It's the same. It's the same basically ruling that you've seen time and time and time again. Uh, when police officers are charged for something like that, uh, uh, Terry, it just doesn't happen. You can't prosecute them for letting the kids be killed. They have, in the eyes of the law, they have zero culpability because they don't have a duty to defend, to protect. That's the biggest thing. Police are not there to protect you. They're there to clean up after the fact. That's what their real duty is, is to clean up the aftermath and solve the crime. Their duty is not to stand in front of a bullet for you. Reason number 412, why I carry a gun, because police are not there to protect you. They might, they will in some instances, but they do not have a duty by law or by statute to protect you. That's just how it is. What is the point then? Not have a duty to the children? Well, I mean, that I think has been a lot of questions. Um, that that's been my that's been my question a lot of times. Is what's the point then? If they're only there to pick up the pieces afterwards. And again, the argument is only the police should have guns because they're the only ones that get there. First of all, you know, why do you carry a gun? Well, I carry a gun because a cop is too heavy. I can't carry a cop with me. Secondly, a cop is not, again, obligated to protect me. That's not, that's not their job. People need to be taking protection and defense and self-defense into their own hands. Yeah. There is a duty to enforce the laws, yes, and catch you doing those three felonies you're unaware of. There you go. That's where their duty lies. Their duty lies in enforcing the law, not necessarily to protect. And again, they're, they're the cleanup crew. They're there to clean up after the fact and then catch the bad guy after you've been murdered. How does the city of Uvalde ever rebuild confidence in its police force? I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, this is such a failure of leadership on so many levels. And, you know, and again, the irony is, is that they had just put out a, 
I'm sure you've seen the I'm sure you've seen the the pictures going around on Facebook of the Uvalde SWAT team all decked out in their tactical kit, just standing up there proud, like we're the SWAT team, we're here to help, and they were nowhere to be seen. <laughs> just, just, uh, having been assigned as a school resource officer, trained and educated in tactics to stop the shooter, you are all missing the mark, says Jeannie. Well, educate us, Jeannie. What are we missing the mark on? I'm interested to hear your point of view. Feel free to call us up here in just a hot second. Oh, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hour two dead ahead. Jeannie, I'll open up the phone lines if you want to call and talk to us about it. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Dukes Show. I have two guns. One for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday, your chance to sound on uh, sound off on issues of a two a nature, Second Amendment, gun rights, firearms laws, uh, legislation, whatever. We're we're here to talk about it this morning, and we were just finishing up uh, with Robbie Sove over at Reason Magazine, trying to talk about some of the uh, trying to talk about some of the uh, you know solutions maybe for this and um you know i i mean i agree with robbie i don't think adding more school resource officers is uh, going to fix the situation and it exacerbates it because it turns every you know minute infraction or interaction into some kind of uh, you know department of justice or some kind of criminal matter it seems like um and uh and and that's frustrating the other answer you know hardening the schools okay that makes sense. Hardening the schools makes sense um, uh, to a degree, you know, locking all the doors, having one point of entrance, uh, uh, you know, multiple points of egress, which, of course, you know, gives you a problem. But, you know, at least locking them down. But arming the teachers that want to be armed, not forcing guns on teachers, but on those that want to be able to defend themselves, give them that opportunity, uh, maybe give them special training to be able to do so. Okay, I mean, I think that sounds that sounds like a good idea, um, but uh, you know, because you know what's going on right now obviously is is not working properly. Um, we were talking about do they have a duty to? Because uh, uh, somebody said, couldn't the Uvalde police be prosecuted for uh, 
uh, be prosecuted for, uh, uh, you know, dereliction of duty or not. No, it's been shown time and time and time again that um, um, that the police and it's been ruled on uh, the Rose decision from the I think that was a Supreme Court decision. uh, And other lower courts have all said that there is no duty to protect the Parkland police officer, the the SRO, the the student resource, school resource officer. He was he was uh, charged with that and uh, was, again, was cleared of it because the, he did not have a duty to protect. And uh, so this is just a, this is just the way it is. So what is the solution? Um, I personally think it's a combination of hardening up the schools a little bit, not TSA style. But again, making sure that the you know the uh, in ingress and egress points are all you know as locked down as they can be, um, and that uh, you give teachers that want to be armed the ability to be armed. I think that that is because uh, then you just don't know. Then you have no idea who's armed and who's not. I think that's I think that would be. Uh, probably the best solution. But what do you guys think? Give us a call, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. We'll take some calls on this. Um, let's go over here onto the phones to see who's uh, with us this morning. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Jeannie from Kenai. Good morning, Jeannie. And just for the listeners' knowledge, Jeannie had mentioned in the in the chat room that she had been assigned as a school resource officer and trained and educated in in active shooter uh, tactics. And she says we're all missing the mark. So what are we missing, Jeannie? What's uh, what's it? What are we what are we not picking up here? There's really no magic pill. Every school has its own architecture has its own security perimeters. Some have chain link fences, some don't. Some have locking doors uh, in the classroom, some don't. It's just, there's no magic pill. Each agency that's responsible for the specific school needs to work with the administration of the school to come up with what works best for them. And we can throw around all these ideas about hardening the schools and all that stuff, me personally, the schools that I worked at would benefit most from fire doors closing, from a red button somewhere in the, you know, whether it's in the school office or wherever. Um, 911 centers can call the school and say, hey, you have an active shooter if the people can't hear the shooting or whatever. They're, they're, some schools are so spread out that, you know, like I said, the magic pill is just not an option. And right. more school resources isn't more school resource officers isn't really the solution. It's a great idea, but manpower is expensive. Some of these officers are making $100,000, $125,000 a year. Right. Who can't afford that? Right. And that, again, that does, school resources. Yeah, do, that doesn't even bring up the issue of turning small, minor, you know, incidents or issues into criminal issues then with police officers there rather than school administrators. So, I mean, I agree with you on that. And you're right. There can't be a cookie cutter. I mean, every, you know, you got campuses in places like California where they've got 15 school buildings on a campus. You know, you can't how do you secure those versus, you know, Lathrop High School in Fairbanks that has got one squat building in the middle of a, of a, of a you know, way? We have to take this a piece by piece. But hardening the schools as far as 
not hardening, securing the schools, like you said, locking doors, only, you know, a single right. point of, you know, one school is in session, it's a single point of, of ingress, uh, you know, having cameras on that so you could see who's coming or who's going. Uh, I mean, those are all great things, and I think that they make a lot of sense, but we do have to take it a piece by piece as we go through there. Right. And there, like I said, there's no magic bullet. Unfortunately, it's not going to it's not going to solve every situation in every school. But thanks for letting me have my piece. Michael. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I would you agree as, a, as an SRO, would you agree that the last line of defense? I mean, the, the thing that you could do in every school is give teachers the opportunity, those that want it, not forcing it on anybody, but those that want it to be able to carry their own firearm, to be able to protect themselves and their students in that in that case? Would you say that that's probably the baseline of what would at least help in these situations? Well, I would say it's viable depending on the school, but I also think that the training that's required, I mean, they would be their teacher in-service days for the team, the teachers that want to participate in that could be shooter drills or something of that nature, but they still have to qualify every three or four months. They, You know what I'm saying? They have to buy them the bullets to practice on their off time. It can be a little bit expensive, but it's not as expensive as adding additional SROs. Right, right. So I agree. Well, I th- and I think it makes sense. At least I would have some ability to be able to defend myself. Maybe I wouldn't make it. Maybe I could stop one or two, but uh, it, it at least would give you a fighting chance. If all you've got is uh, foul language and, and bad wishes to fight back with, it's not a it's not a real defense. You know what I mean? Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Jeannie. I, I appreciate you calling in this morning and giving us your perspective on that. 433-3150. Uh, 907-433-3150, the Satellite West call-in line powered by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out about them at SatelliteWest.com. Let's go over here and see who this is. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, Mike, it's Fred in Rhode Island. How you been? Hey, Fred. What's on your mind, sir? Well, a couple of things. Over here in Rhode Island, they just had a uh, just had a, 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 uh, a gun control vote that just went through the House and the, and the State Senate. Apparently, they managed to, through a uh, underhanded, I would call it an underhanded uh, trick by the Senate, managed to pull it off and just waiting for the be signed into law in the uh, in the state. And uh, apparently, it's three things. It's a 10-round magazine ban, which I think is totally unconstitutional, but that's another story. And they uh, raising the age of 18 to 21 for people being able to purchase uh, long guns and ammunition. And the last one is carrying a loaded shotgun or rifle, a long arm, in public, in public spaces, which is not trying to figure that one out. I don't know how do you go hunting and they have to keep the thing unloaded until you come across your, your game and then you have to, you know, load it and then be able to fire. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how they really interpret that otherwise. Right, right. So that's what's going on over here in the insane state of Rhode Island. Well. But, you know, the reason why I'm calling in. Yeah, the reason why I'm calling in is your last call I mentioned, well, you're actually your previous guest, which was commenting, says bringing you know, law enforcement into the schools is a bad idea and, and SROs. You, you lead by example in life. I mean, if you don't set a precedence, you know, people are just going to ignore it. You know? So I think that not being able to have law enforcement on the, on the premises and somebody's committing a crime, whether it be a juvenile or an adult, 
you know, you have the means of enforcing the law, all right? I mean, and you sit there, the school boards can, they can sit there and, you know, maybe pamper whatever they want to do. However, it's not going to be effective because you're not really setting a precedent. If someone's in handcuffs and has to go down to the station, you know, that's a whole different ballgame. I mean, that kind of puts the fear of God into people who even think about trying to do Well, but here's illegal, the, here's the problem, uh, Fred, speaking of putting people in handcuffs, uh, in some of the instances, because Reason has written about this. If you go to Reason Magazine and read some of the articles about this specifically, they give very good reasoning on why that, uh, on why that is. Uh, and you're just talking about putting people in handcuffs. I mean, there's incidences where they've handcuffed kids, for example, for not following the proper dress code. Put them in handcuffs. Um, and I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, it, it, that's wrong. And that's like, wrong. I know you're saying that's wrong, but see, this is, this is the mindset. And you, again, if you start treating the schools like they're prisons with prison guards, this is the mentality that starts to come out of that. And I don't think that that, I don't think that that makes sense and that works. Um, and, and I think, no, that, that, go ahead. You know, strictly, strictly, from a, strictly from a legal standpoint, from the law standpoint, I mean, dress code is not law. That's a school right. policy. That policy does not play into. But human but nature. I mean, but, says, yeah, but human you can't nature. Sell drugs, yeah, you can't hum- carry a weapon. You know, because you're underage. You know, it doesn't apply. Well, the problem is, is that human nature is is this fallback to, you know, fallback to authority where they're like, well, just let the school resource officer handle it. And the next thing you know, kids are getting handcuffs for things like that. There's again, there's a lot of there's a lot of data on this. There's a lot of, in, you know, anecdotal evidence of what's going on. So, Fred, again, I'm going to agree with Robbie on this, that, again, more SROs in schools is not going to help. Thank you, Fred, for your call. I got time for uh, I got two more calls here. We'll get to them real quick. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Michael. This is Larry, North Pole, Fairbanks area. Hey, Larry, how are you? What's on your mind? I was listening to you guys earlier in uh, earlier in the week. I heard on the radio um, news broadcast that uh, that the police department was waiting out there. I don't know what how true it is for somebody to bring keys so they get in the building. Well, it seemed to me like they, they've got these shotguns that can <laughs> blast the doggone lockout, and they can go in. Yeah. So I, I, I have no, not, nobody ever mentioned that. Well, they did wait outside the building for 51 minutes, uh, and there was really been no explanation, Larry, as to exactly what they were waiting for. And it was once the Border Patrol TAC team had been there waiting for, like, 20 or 30 minutes they finally said to the incident commander we're not listening to you anymore and they went in and they got and they and they 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 got it done so you're right uh no real reasoning if it was locked doors man you've got crowbars and shotguns and everything else i'm not going to let that stop me so um i i agree it's it's head scratching larry thank you so much we got one more call we're going to get to before we go to the break here and come back with chris chang good morning who's this where are you calling from Hello, caller. Yes, I'm uh, Gary. Is my name. I'm in Omer. Hello, Gary. Uh, yeah, uh, I I've got experience with attack dogs. Uh, I've I, uh, I tell you, these dogs. Everybody is involved in this. Dogs love kids. The kids love dogs, but the dog knows what to do. Uh, you say get them, they get them. I had a dog in, in, when I was 10 years old. I put him in World War II and got him back. 
and he was an attack dog. I got him home, and uh, uh, my dad gave me a whip one time, and the dog jumped my father, and my dad says, hey, no more of this stuff, and he took it. we took him to a, a, a facility that built uh, stuff during the war, and that dog, when he saw those guys with guns on, he was immediately at another watchdog. But anyway, all you got to tell these uh, watchdogs is to get them. And boy, they—they, <laughs> I, I got a, a book here on dog heroes. People, I, if you've read that, uh, there's been dogs all, all in the days of protection of, of presidents. And but anyway, they, everybody ought to have an attack dog that is around school. All right, Gary. Well, thank you so much for uh, sounding off this morning. We appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time for this segment. we got more coming up. We're going to be joined in just a minute by Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion Season 4. He's going to be joining us here in just a second. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting across the state of Alaska. Back with more right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now with Chris Ching, uh, Top Shot Champion Season 4, I think just joining us on the line right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, good morning. I made my coffee extra strong this morning. <laughs> that so was I'm ready to go. Probably a smart idea. Probably a good <laughs> uh, probably a good one right there. Uh, well, we really appreciate you uh, coming in and uh, and being part of it this morning. Um, we're just in the break right now, so we're a couple minutes from coming back. Um, I'm going to put you on hold for just a second to get caught up in the chat room here uh, real quick, so let me do that. Uh, oh, goodness, I'm trying to juggle three things at the same time. Nope, I want to come back over here. Yep, there you go. Give me that. Okay, too many bells and whistles this morning. We're gonna we're gonna get her done. Um, and there we go. Okay, all right. Chris Chang is our guest. Uh, we're gonna be talking with him about the Senate deal and Uvalde. We haven't had a chance to talk with him about that as well. We again just finished up with Robbie So from Reason Magazine here, uh, talking about the the reaction and what happened with. Uh, uh, and what happened with uh, the, the police and, uh, man, how they hung out and basically did nothing for uh, for 45 minutes. Absolutely, uh, absolutely insane. So we're going to, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that with Chris as well and get his take on it. And then anything new that he's got going on, uh, we'll have about uh, 12 minutes or so to uh, chat with Chris on that one. Meanwhile, let me go back to the chat room over here and see what you guys have to say. Uh, Jimmy says, I am still blaming Hollywood for a large amount of glorification to gun violence. Uh, you know, I don't know, Jimmy. I watched a lot of Hollywood. One of my favorite movies is John Wick, probably one of the heaviest gun foo movies you've ever seen. But you don't see me going out and shooting up a bunch of people. I don't think it's necessarily Hollywood or video games. Um, it, <clears throat> you know, there's, I don't think that there's any single magic bullet, not to be too punny, but no magic bullet 
that is causing all the gun violence. I mean, I think it's a breakdown of the family. I think it's a, a breakdown in morals and values. Um, I think it is, uh, you know, the the vilification that we see, the victimhood that has become kind of a mantra in our society. Um, I think it's a, a, a factor of, of uh, you know, criminalization of things sometimes that don't need to be criminalized and then a laxity in the prosecution of crimes that should be, uh, you know, people should be put under the jail for rather than just in jail. I think there's a lot of lot of issues in there. Um, and and I, you know, it's it's interesting to me to watch for sure. But I don't think that video games or movie violence um, are the contributing. Now, do they contribute a little? I don't know. Maybe. Again, they're I guess what 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 is the difference between fantasy and reality? Maybe with some people, it does influence them somewhat, but there I don't think it's any I don't think that it is uh, you know any single thing like that that uh, that does it. Um, until we do away with the preposterous notion of gun-free zones, the Second Amendment can't work properly, says Anthony. I agree. Timothy again also says what I just said. He said it's a moral and societal issue. Um. I'm of the mindset that all the theatrics and theory crafting on what to change is treating the symptoms and not the problem. Until we stop essentially advertising and legally ensuring that schools are virtually unguarded soft targets, they're always going to be at risk. I mean, again, we had Dr. John Lott on the program last week, and he talked specifically about that, that the number of shootings that actually took place uh, you know, in gun-free zones is astronomical. And the fact that the shooters, the Buffalo shooter, was very specific in his online manifesto that he chose uh, an AR-15, one, because it would be the most controversial, and two, he chose a gun-free zone because he knew there'd be no ability to shoot back. I mean, that's I mean, that, that's it right there. I think you've, I think you've nutshelled it properly uh, in, in that respect. Thank you uh, for that, um, uh, Brian. Okay, ding, ding, time to go. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Chris Chang is our guest. We're going to get to this and uh, get the ball rolling. Please like and share, like and follow. Let's get it on. Here we go. Chris Chang is Top Shot champion from season four of the television show Chop, uh, Top Shot. Chop Shop? That's a whole different show. A whole different show. Uh, he's also the author of the book Shoot to Win, uh, Tips, Tactics, and Techniques to Help You Shoot Like a Pro. He comes on board to join us right now. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Good morning to you and your listeners. I uh, appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Um I want to I want to jump through a couple things here real quick. Uh, we were just talking uh, about uh, Uvalde and uh, this kind of this whole situation, and you know the, the fact that the police disregarded procedure things that they had trained on as early as eight weeks before this incident 
just went out the window uh, with them standing around outside for over 51 minutes before they entered the building, uh, arresting and handcuffing parents who were trying to go in on their own and everything else. Uh, give me your thoughts on just that, you know, it's a horrific situation, so I know we're all horrified by it. But give me your thoughts on the the actual mechanics of what happened and took place behind the scenes. Based on what I've been hearing over the past few weeks, it's just been so tragic to hear about the number of failures in training and, and failures in leadership and also failures in tactics uh, for what happened in Uvalde. And, and it sounds like that, you know, there were a number of opportunities along the way to maybe reduce the amount of deaths and just sort of, you know, through a series of mistakes, such as the police commander not having his radio and not really having, you know, full information and not being able to communicate to, to misreading the situation where, right, it wasn't a barricaded suspect. It was very much still an active, uh, you know, situation. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's helpful, obviously, for us to learn what happened, so we can you know try and apply those lessons forward, and right. and other other departments can learn. Hey, you know this is this is what happened here. Are, you know things that went well and things that 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 didn't go well, uh, and and try and right do do the good things that are effective moving forward. And I guess you know the one thing I'm I'm trying to do as we uncover and learn more about Uvalde is to try and have some amount of sympathy uh, around, you know, if you are, if, if, if any of us were put in that position as a leader uh, in, in that moment, having to make decisions on incomplete information in a quickly, dynamically changing situation, I mean, that's, that's just rough, but obviously like that's the job that they all signed up for. And, you know, I think in, in many regards, uh, based on what I've seen, it sounds like uh, you know, law enforcement really, really failed uh, their community. And uh, obviously that's not what they wanted, um, but that's unfortunately how it all played out. Right, right. Um, I'll be honest, Chris, I couldn't talk about this for a couple days. Um, I was so upset by it. I was just so upset about it. Um, I, you know, I, I said that we would talk about it on Firearms Friday, but that I wasn't ready to talk about it then. And uh Finally, a couple of days later, we did come to Firearms Friday, and and I was able to uh, vent my spleen a little bit here because you know we had President Biden who got up that night to comment on it, and I watched the speech, and for the first two minutes, I thought, oh, he's going to call for unity. He's going to call for people to come together to help and support the community and do the you know he talked about things like the loss of a child, which he's experienced, so he had some some you know gravitas there, and it was really good. But then two and a half minutes into this nine-minute speech, he just abruptly changed his gears and starts to go on a rampage about enough is enough. We have to have gun control. We have to have this. We have to have that. And it just it, it immediately just sprang to mind this whole idea of, you know, never let a crisis go to waste if you want to push your agenda. And on top of that, in his speech, he continually, continually repeated not just not just misleading statements, outright falsehoods about the Second Amendment, about this, uh, the assault weapons ban, about many, many things related to the to the uh, to the to the gun culture and everything else. What what is your thought as you watch this stuff? And, and especially what gets me is the lies about the Second Amendment was never about, you know, owning a, an AR-15. It was never about you couldn't own a cannon, which is blatantly false. Uh, but I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think two things. You know, the the, the first one is this continual call for for gun control. It's, I mean, we, we know the playbook. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate that we just know when there's a tragedy that happens, anti-gunners are immediately going to jump straight to some of the most extreme solutions uh, for for gun control. You know, the assault weapons ban, magazine capacity restrictions. You know, th- those are expected. But I think what has been not been expected uh, is I've seen an increase in call for the full repeal of the Second Amendment, and this is in you know mainstream media and right. it's, there's there's more and more articles than usual calling for the repeal of the Second Amendment. So you know that was um, you know that that's that that was one uh, sort of observation and, and reaction uh, for, for me for the president's speech that you know. Um, we definitely need to come together as a country and identify solutions and gun control is not the answer uh, you know to address what you and and some of the uh, your your listeners were commenting about earlier which is we need to strengthen our communities we need to support and strengthen family units and have you know mental health resources that are available for people in our communities who are suffering. And I'll also say, I think we need less social media. <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, I don't think Hollywood and, you know, glorification of gun violence is a key contributor, but I do think social media is a key contributor towards iso- us as a people feeling ironically more and more isolated, right? The internet right. is supposed to make us more and more connected, but yeah, the internet clearly can isolate us, and that isolation from real people in real life can have some real damaging impacts to our worldview right. and a disassociation from reality. And right, some criminals clearly think, okay, well, it's fine for me to go inflict death and violence upon other people who are innocent. So. Well, it's not um, just the isolation either, Chris. It's the with the algorithms, it becomes the echo chamber effect where you're surrounded by everyone that that they feed back to you on social media are people that agree with your viewpoint that, uh, you know, you, you get this self-reinforcement of these ideals that, you know, there was a new poll that came out last week that talked about uh, uh, that, that that three months ago they'd taken a poll and 17 percent of Republicans and 14 percent of Democrats said that political violence is Okay, and then they came out two weeks ago, and now it's twenty percent and seventeen percent. It's like it's going up. The political violence is okay, and it, this echo chamber of where it's like they're calling for violence and doing these kind of things, it really stokes the flames of some of these people who are probably not all there mentally. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely frightening, and uh, I personally am trying to limit my social media exposure and you know be biased towards interacting with people in real life and and doing things in real life and right. yeah you know, i i hope that everybody finds a a balance you know between technology and and our real lives so you know with um you know with the state that our our country is in it is clearly a, a very very low time and um you know i I am you know, going to be here along with everybody else who will support freedom. And it is, you know, we can't be exchanging freedom for security. You know, this is right. the, the, for, for me, we, we always have to be choosing freedom and accept the consequences 
of freedom. You know, freedom freedom does not d- does not mean that there won't we're we're not going to get rid of evil, right? By right. by siding with freedom. But if we have to choose between freedom and oppression or repression, I think the choice is very clear. And there are there are consequences of of each side, but. I know you and I and many others, we will always, always choose freedom. Right. Penn Gillette said, every time something bad happens, people cry out for safety and the government answers by taking rights away from good people. And that seems to be the status, that seems to be the the status quo right now, this cry out for everything else. Quickly here, Chris, uh, what else you got going on? Anything we need to know about here? Got about 60 seconds. Yeah, I got to say, you know, in San Francisco, where I live a few weeks ago, we recalled our district attorney, Chase Boudin, who for years has failed to enforce the law. He is a hyper progressive child of the, the Democratic Party, and we've successfully recalled him. And so he is no longer in office. And, you know, San Francisco obviously is a very liberal bastion of the world, yet here we are, San Francisco liberals rejected these progressive policies of the district attorney who basically was not prosecuting uh, suspects and criminals and was letting them out loose on the streets. And we were obviously suffering the negative consequences of criminals loose on the streets. So I'm happy to say that our district attorney, Chase Boudin, successfully recalled in San Francisco, and hopefully we're now gonna turn the corner and make our city a safe one that it once was. I hope to see it, my friend. I've been following that closely. We'll talk more about that next time. Thank you so much. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion. Folks, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Willie Waffle, coming up next. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Chris Chang, already gone. All right, so that's good. Uh, Brian said, boy, that quote really pissed off a lot of my friends. That was the Penn Gillette quote. Is that what you're talking about, Brian? He's not wrong. Every time something really bad happens, people cry out for safety. And the government answers by taking rights away from good people. <laughs> it's It's the truth. That is the truth right there. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't narrow it down uh, anymore. Bart LeBon and Click Bishop are going to be at the Friday luncheon, uh, Republican luncheon. That's ironic. That's just all I can say. That's ironic. That two of the biggest statist Republicans are going to be at the Republican luncheon on Friday. Oh, Republican Party is, uh, they got some interesting things going on. Did you see the letter that I posted up on my Facebook page and the show Facebook page from Charlie Pierce? Apparently the Republican Party has been uh, trying to dig up, I guess, dirt on Charlie. And, uh, and they tried to make a big deal out of a um, some kind of dispute that he had with his wife 22 years ago over their kids' custody or something. Anyway, you can go read about it on my Facebook page. I posted up Charlie's letter on the Facebook page uh, where he explains it. And you know, apparently, there's people up in the at the Interior Republicans and others who are really trying to. Uh, um, 
that are really tr- trying to uh, drag Charlie down. They desperately want Dunleavy to go back, apparently, because he's done such a bang-up job. Um, I just, this is why I never belong to a party, ever. Stuff like that. The Republicans are the ones that are to blame for what's going on in the state. There's no two ways about it. I think the root cause can go uh, <clears throat> can go uh, right back to uh, uh, to that. Oh yeah, and by the way, even though they tried to dig this dirt up and say it was he and his wife, and I don't know if it was a restraining order or some kind of thing. Anyway, his wife is actually endorsing him. It's in the letter. She actually wrote an endorsement to Charlie. They're friends. They're still friends. Uh, so whatever this was, twenty two years ago, uh, but the. Uh, Apparently, the Republicans, or I don't know if it's the interior Republicans or just the Republicans in general, were trying to make hay with it, and it just, no, just crazy. Did you see the story about the Lake City ammo plant and the truth about guns? I can't say that I did. Truth about guns. I must have missed it. Uh, let's see. Um, um uh, let's see. Truth about guns. Um, I missed, uh, I missed that. I'm going through the here. What's the guns for gun control? Red Frag, Lake City. I'm looking for Lake City here. I don't see it. Lake City. Uh, cuts off Lake City. Biden administration moves to cut off Lake City 223-556 ammo from the commercial market. Um, is taking steps to reduce the availability uh, on average. U.S. military is actively considering shutting down the sale of M885 SS109 ammo from Lake City to the commercial market. Um, Winchester, which operates the U.S. Army's Lake City ammunition plant, has been formed. It may no longer sell ammunition produced in excess of the military's needs on the civilian market. How would that affect? How would that affect the civilian supply? As much as 30% of the commercial market sales volume of 223 is produced by Lake City. The Biden administration is attempting to further spike the price of ammunition, squeezing the owners of America's favorite rifles, the black ones. Um, wow. Yeah, this is the same kind of thing that they did with the lead and the manufacturing. And the, remember when they had under Hillary Clinton when she was sex state and they had the OSHA regs that they were working on? where it was going to become almost impossible to produce ammunition because to follow the OSHA regs, you'd literally have to have four different buildings and everything else. Uh, wow. Um, uh, right in the middle of things, I haven't sort of further anger, tens of millions. Um, I, I'm, I'll be watching this. Thank you for the heads up on that, Brian. I didn't, uh, I didn't see that. Um, that's pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep watching this. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I was, I know I had a lot of guests, so I didn't make it over to Truth About Guns uh, uh, earlier today. I normally do, but I just, I didn't today. All right. Well, we're getting ready to come back in here. We're about 20 seconds out. I'm waiting for my phone to ring and get things going on. Uh, yep, there it is. Willie's on the line. All right, we're ready to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Share and like the show. 
share and follow the show page. Here we go. Hi there, ho there, hey there. Did you just call me a ho? I mean, hey, what's going on? What's uh, what's happening? I'm not sure. Uh, Willie Waffle, that's what's happening. WaffleMovies.com. Speaking of hi there, uh, he joins us for the weekend movie review in the Entertainment Report. Hello, sir. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, my God. We have a follow-up to one of our biggest stories last week, and this one is going to... I think this one's going to make your head explode. Okay, I'm ready. Get hit me with it. What what's the what's the give me the follow up. All right, so last week we found out that uh, the Joker 2 is on the way. Right. The, the that it's being written right now. Joaquin Phoenix is looking at dead scripts. Right. And this week it was announced who's going to be the co-star. Uh, ready? Okay, I'm ready. Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. <laughs> ra ra ooh la la. All right, so Lady Gaga. So and and it's assumed that she's going to be playing Harley Quinn. That's the yes. that's the rumor. Yeah. It's not confirmed, but that's a rumor. Yeah. Uh, then I heard something about it might actually be a musical. What? It's going to be a musical. <laughs> well, are are these guys just like? Are they trying to destroy? The Joker franchise. Are they like just sitting back and going, okay, what can we do so that we never have to go through this crud again? And Joaquin Phoenix went, have you ever heard me sing? And and, and the director went, no. And Joaquin goes, let's sing, baby. (laughs) I don't know how they'll do it. I mean, a dark musical? It's possible. I mean, anything's possible. Um, I mean, you got some brilliance going on there. So maybe. uh, I don't know. I guess I'll still see it. I mean, you know, just at least for the uniqueness factor. Well, you know, and and I am not one to to judge because, you know, you may remember way back in the day, I was the guy who who was like, you know, these Marvel movies where they're going to try to get all the heroes together and do it. it, This isn't going to work. No one, no one wants to see anything outside of Batman and Superman. (laughs) Yeah, boy, I know how to call them, don't I? I really could, I could really pick them. Willie, I think we've been doing this for like seven years now. And I, and my wife and I always laugh because she'll say, what did Willie say? And I said, well, he said it was okay. Only one and a half waffles. She goes, oh good. I'll like it then because she, (laughs) she, she still remembers the Crimson Peak thing where you said, oh, Oh, it was like a one waffle, and it is one of her favorite movies of all time, Guillermo del Toro. And she's like, "No, he's not always right." So, I mean, you know, it just, it just, just. I'm trying to hum- humble you just a little bit. No, there. and believe me, what'll happen is the Joker two as a musical with Lady Gaga and Joaquin Phoenix will make about two billion dollars. It will win every single Oscar, all right. twenty five of them, and uh, and and I'll just be sitting there on Oscar night going. Yeah. Really? And really? You'll, you'll be going, I gave that one waffle. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about box office returns. Uh, I guess uh, uh, Top Gun just busted all the records for the year, right? They beat out Doctor yep. Strange. I mean, it's made a gazillion dollars. 
yeah, it, it's it's just going gangbusters. And the thing that's so amazing is that the drop-off is not as precipitous as you normally find with a big blockbuster. So it, it's got like this word of mouth and it's starting to bring in people who normally wouldn't go see Top Gun or, you know, starting to bring in, you know, different areas of, of demographics that wouldn't normally see Top Gun. Right. So it's becoming like this massive, massive hit, uh, you know, beyond even just the normal Tom Cruise hit. This, this is like cruise it along to you know probably it's easily going to be one of his biggest movies of all time and this is a guy who's had a lot of them yeah no something was it 756 million i think at this point yeah uh, i mean it's it's huge numbers i haven't seen it yet um and of course every time i talk about it uh you know some of my friends are like well but yeah but he's the scientologist guy with the thing and, the, and i'm just like oh god i just want to watch a movie can you guys leave me alone for five minutes anyway it's uh it's it's gonna it's good it's it's it's, uh, it's well-received, which, I mean, I've seen some of the headlines. Screen Rant had a headline and some other ones about, oh, it's uh, toxic masculinity and everything else. And then everybody else is like, yeah, bust every record, still doing great. People apparently like it, so maybe <laughs> you should stop. Yeah, so so toxic it's selling more tickets than anything else this year ever has. Exactly. Oh, yeah, people are totally turned wait, off by that. Wait, yeah, let, give wait, me a break. Let me check the box office returns on the vagina monologues real quick. No, I right, never exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so that's good stuff. Um, the other thing, and I just finished this, and I'm, I knew it was coming, but I'm still bummed. I should have waited a little bit longer. Stranger Things Part Four. Some crazy news around that. Uh, but the oh fact, but the fact yeah. that is that it's a it's a nine episode series, but they only dropped seven episodes. Now they dropped them all at once. Thank you, Netflix. I appreciate that. But then they put this break in, and I'm like, why are you waiting on the last two? I don't. I still don't understand that. But it's some huge stuff going on. Yeah, and and what we found out is, you know, we already knew that that, that part two of the season will be released on July first, and uh, in keeping with the theme of the season. Every episode has been like an hour and 20 minutes. So episode eight is going to be an hour and 25 minutes long. Right. And the, the finale, episode nine, that will end the season. Hold on to your butts. It's going to be two hours and 20 minutes long. It's going to be a standalone <laughs> movie on its own. Frankly, every episode has been movie uh, length except yeah, for like one. Yeah, one of them was like <laughs> a, a, an hour and 12 or 13 minutes or something. That was right. like the shortest episode. And all I could think of when I was when I was looking at these episodes, I was thinking, these people must be exhausted. They, they basically cut nine full-length movies in whatever time that it – I mean, they must yeah. be tired. But what a, gr what a killer story. What an amazing oh, story. God. It's so delivering, and and you know, and you know, the length of it is playing into this next thing I'm going to tell you, but also just the popularity. So, Stranger Things four has officially become the most popular English language series on Netflix. Okay, so since its premiere, it's been watched for 781 million hours, and that's just episode two. But um, bump, but. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, okay. I got but, it. Yeah, I got it. It, it. It's it's passing Bridgerton season two, but Squid Games is still number one overall. Uh, I think I thought Squid Games. I thought at some point Squid Games had hit a billion hours. I can't remember, but it it it's it's gonna it has to go a very very long way to catch Squid Games. But maybe uh, part two will help them get over the hump. Well, I mean, I've all, I've I've enjoyed the Stranger Things franchise for many reasons. One, it's very retro. It is my high school days, right? That's yeah, the, me too. The yeah. time frame. <laughs> the time frame is my high school days, and I cringe at the hair and the and the parachute pants. 
outfits and everything else. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, that's nostalgic. Great storytelling, great visuals. Overall, just, I mean, just a really good. And this story, I did see a little bit of it coming. And I told my wife at one point, and then she's like, oh, no. And then like two episodes later, she goes, oh, you magnificent bat. Anyway, <laughs> I, but but it is really good, really well written, and I have seriously enjoyed it. I can't wait for the next two episodes to come out. But speaking of uh, uh, Squid Games, you just mentioned Squid Games, which I haven't finished yet. I've only got about three episodes in and we got distracted on something. So we got to go back and finish that. But they are doing something else, not just season two of Squid Games, which is apparently in the works. Yes. Um, but they are actually coming out with a Real Squid Game. I didn't realize you could kill people on live TV. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so this is going to be weird. But how does how how what's going on? So so yeah, Netflix announced that they are going to produce a real life Squid Games contest. So it's going to be called Squid Games: The Challenge. They will gather 456 contestants in the United er, yeah in the United Kingdom next year. And they will be competing for a $4.56 million prize. And they're going to do squid games like games, but they're hoping not to kill anybody. They hope. Like you said, they that, is frown- that is frowned upon. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I would really like to see a real life, you know, big old robot turn its head and start shooting paintballs at people because yeah. they didn't play Mother May I correctly. That's, okay? it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. It's, uh, there's some crazy stuff in that show. So, yes. and, I, and I haven't even finished it yet. So, but uh, well, I guess you know that reality TV. They're always something looking for something that's more real. Uh, I guess that's that's all it comes down to. Um, all right. Um, anything else entertainment wise before we jump into the streams? You know, I'm going to bring this one up because I was a big fan of Live PD, which was uh, you know on on cable uh, up until the uh, the. Oh, God, how do I want to put this nicely? The riots that happened in 2020 and, right. and some some negativity that was thrown at Live PD uh, because of the, the idea that the show follows police around and shows them arresting people who have committed crimes right. or you know accused of committing crimes. And there were some other allegations that they may have destroyed some uh, footage of some more controversial arrests. I, I don't know if that was ever proven, but it was out there. And the show was yanked off of, I think it was A&E Network. And Dan Abrams, who's the producer and the host, ever since they got kicked off, has been fighting and scraping and trying to find another outlet that would bring the show back. And it's happening this summer. It is going to be renamed On Patrol Live. Uh, Dan Abrams is returning as the host. Sticks Larkin, if you're a fan of the show, he's coming back as an analyst. Uh, they're going to incorporate uh, a couple other elements like civilian ride-alongs. Okay. And it's, it's going to air. And here's the only bad part. It's going to air on my nemesis, the Reels channel. The Reels channel, which I've never yeah. even heard of, but yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, I'll tell you the story someday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Reels channel and I had a falling out. Uh, but, okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to, and it'll air it on Friday and Saturday nights live, just like they, they did on A&E. And okay. it's going to start sometime over the summer. They haven't really got an official start date okay, yet. Okay, so this isn't like Cops where it's pre recorded and edited. This is just like live at five. Go, go, go. It's. 
and there's a little mix of that. Like some stuff is live because you know they would spend like the whole week with a police department. Okay. Uh, you know, and and they had various departments that they that they would go to across the country. And it turns out they're going to get all new police departments for this uh, version of the show. And you know, and some stuff they would be like, oh hey, look what happened earlier this week. But they also had a lot of live stuff that was happening and and some pretty harrowing things. Like you know, some of these chases would get pretty intense. And I felt bad for the camera guys who were trying to run with those cameras in the dark through the bushes trying to keep up uh you know plus you know it's sometimes you know hey there was gunfire right, yeah, okay you, this, you these, these yeah. were yeah these were dangerous situations so um yeah it's a little bit of a mix of, of both there okay all right well we got about uh three minutes three and a half minutes here so let's move on to uh the streams we've got pete davidson specials and we've got Lightyear. what do you want to do oh my god let's let's you know i'll get pete davidson out of the way okay so I thought, well, this will be interesting. I've never seen Pete Davidson do stand-up. You know, like, I know he's on Saturday Night Live. Eh, some stuff he does is funny. I'm not really his biggest fan. Obviously, he has a lot of material to talk about. Um, but it turns out it's just Pete Davidson hosting a comedy special where he does, like, maybe five minutes of storytelling, and then all of his friends do ten-minute stand-up comedy sh- uh, uh, short, short stand-ups. Okay, and that's it. Yeah, and that's it. So I'm still... <laughs> waiting to see a Pete Davidson stand-up comedy special is what okay. I'm trying to tell you. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, negative oh. one to four waffles, stay at home? Yeah, like like uh, like one and a half. All you right. know, a couple a couple of them are very very funny, but you know, <laughs> a great a great stand up comedy special is an hour because yeah. it develops and it tells stories and right. and there are themes that run through it and and nobody gets a chance to do that here. Not in ten minutes, no. no. All right, we got just uh, under ninety seconds here. Lightyear, okay. the movie. What uh, what say you? Buzz Lightyear. This is the most disappointing movie of the year for me so far. Ow. I was really, yeah, this, this is this is the Disney slash Pixar animated story. It's taking place in the uh, in the Toy Story universe. The idea that that there was a real Buzz Lightyear who lived, and the the doll was based off of the doll that you know Andy is playing with, and uh, we see that you know. He went on this mission to space with his uh, with his team. He made a horrible mistake. They get stranded on this planet, and now he's trying to do everything he can to get them off. But the lesson is, maybe he's missing out on living. Okay. And that is, no, this is such hokey baloney, okay? They don't build up to it well enough. Uh, the, the story is really kind of weird to follow. I mean, just, you yeah. know, like, you just, you get lost trying to figure out what's happening, what time of year is it, what's going on. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't really get a lot of development of the characters. And, and Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear is boring. Yeah, you should have had Tim Allen. I don't know why they didn't pick Tim Allen for that, but, you know. Okay, negative one to four waffles, Lightyear. One waffle. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Pain. All right, my friend. uh, That's it for you. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. You're done. Folks, we'll see you next week. We got more coming up. We'll have guests and everything else. Donna Ardwin, Sarah Palin, Mike Schauer. Have a great weekend. Be kind. Love one another. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I was trying to wrap my brain around the idea that somehow, first of all, Buzz Lightyear's a toy, okay? Uh, yep, se- yep. Second of all, this supposedly took place, he was inspired by a real-life guy 
who apparently lives in a galaxy far, far away, but it was a real person. I mean, I'm trying to... Yeah, that's the hard part to get. So, like, you know, is this supposed to be, like, he was a hero before they took off into space? And essentially, yeah, I'm not going to give away too much in the movie, but essentially they disappear from Earth. I mean, they go on this mission to another planet, and they're stranded on the planet. So is this supposed to be the story of what happened, uh, you know, know, before, like, they were considered, the astronauts were, were like, superheroes? Or is it about something that happens during the movie that you see it just it it really is a mess and and uh, you know it just it's not interesting there's no heart to it no matter how hard they try but at least there's like there's okay so they give buzz lightyear a robot cat and he has all the funniest lines because <laughs> obviously disney wants everybody to run out and buy their children a little cat toy a little okay? robot cat toy please yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> go go buy the robot cat right now that's what you need to do all right well you know, I guess even Pixar can't hit it out of the park every time. Although I think that's really their first big major flub. I mean, most of them have been pretty darn good. So Cars too. Well, car. Yeah, okay. You're Cars uh, right. too. I stand that, corrected. That, that's always the one everyone threw. The Cars too stunk. Remember? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm waiting. I think this weekend is the last episodes of The Boys. I think gets dropped this weekend. Ooh. Okay. So I'm going to be starting that. I hope to. I hope to watch that. I also uh, am finishing up. Boy, this is not safe for work. Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Oh yeah. Have you watched any of that? I have not. I've only heard about it. It's pretty it's pretty uh, uh wild. Oh man. Wild. It's, <laughs> it's freaking brutal is what it is. Anyway, that's been pretty good. So that's been my watching lately. Uh all right, Willie. Thank you, my friend. Uh I look forward to seeing you uh next week. Yeah, I think next week we're gonna talk about the Elvis movie. Okay, I'm all about that. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I'm worried. Uh, yeah. I'm worried big time. Yeah, well, between that and the new uh, Anna de Armas NC-17 Maryland movie, I, I don't even know. Folks, we got to go. We'll see you on Monday. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. Become a member of the core. That's it. Oh, and like and share. Subscribe. Ring the bell. We'll see you. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show